Welcome back to the D Group Podcast. So glad that you stopped by to visit with us again today. Uh, I'm going to jump right in uh, because so far we've been laying the groundwork for apprenticeship to Jesus. We've perhaps made it seem as though it's it, it's it's going to take a lot of effort on your part to get there, and in many ways that's absolutely true. Uh, you simply must take responsibility for your own growth and. In the weeks ahead, we're going to be exploring many different practices that will give you assistance in an action plan towards that end. But the reality is, you're not alone in this quest. Now, you might think I'm just talking about the other members of your D group or maybe your your disciple coach. And of course, I do believe that those relationships are, are very important in your, in your development. But, but I'm actually talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus has promised us and provided us this amazing third party of the Trinity to empower us and to strengthen us and to help us to be successful in our quest, in our apprenticeship to him. So today, let's talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life and development as dedicated disciples of Jesus. As you may already know, uh, Christy and I were both raised in Pentecostal preachers' houses. We were identified as Pentecostal as we took quite literally the supernatural occurrences that happened on the day of Pentecost, found in Acts chapter 2, as evidence of a spirit-filled life. I mean, just listen to this from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Well, that sounds like quite the scene, doesn't it? I mean, can you imagine being a part of something so far-fetched and out of the ordinary? Well, Christy and I sure can. We were right in the middle of that kind of stuff pretty much every Sunday night in the churches we grew up in. Now, whether we were misguided or had our theology out of balance, I'm still debating all that. But in those circles, the Holy Spirit often took center stage. Now, I might have misunderstood all that was taught about the Spirit, but... But my general takeaway from all those years of upbringing and experience is that the Holy Spirit is given to us to empower and enable us to do extraordinary things that we could never do in ourselves. And as I think you're going to see in this lesson, I I still believe the root of that teaching. In those circles, how that played out in our church life tended to focus on what some would call the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit and and, and expecting these euphoric uh, supernatural encounters. And those tended to be the pinnacle and purpose of the Holy Spirit. At least that's what it felt like to me. Now, I don't want to over-stereotype those churches, nor am I even remotely condemning them. Uh, they contain some incredibly passionate people doing extraordinary kingdom work, and, and sometimes I'd give anything just to see 10% of their zeal for the presence of God in, in other churches. And in fact, Pentecostal denominations are the fastest-growing churches in the world right now. 
But when we left that particular stream of Christianity some 15, 16 years ago, I, I eventually had to do some real soul-searching and scripture-hunting to really understand what the Holy Spirit is all about beyond all that exuberance and the hype of my upbringing. What else does the Bible have to say about him? Is there more to him than, than this speaking in tongues and healings and prophecy? And so this lesson is a bit of a, a culmination of that study. Though I'm sure there's so much more to learn, because it could probably take a lifetime to fully understand. But what we're looking for, especially here in this series around the Jesus way, is what Jesus had to say about this subject. And so we're going back to the New Testament, we're going back particularly to the Gospels, to let him teach us. And what I'm going to do is start in the 14th chapter of the book of John. Let's listen to Jesus for a few moments. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And so he starts with this familiar idea of obedience that we've already talked about some, but you got to pay close attention to what comes next because he's saying that for those of us who love Jesus, trust him fully, evidenced by our obedience to his commands, that there's a special gift he's sending to us. And so he goes on in verse 16 of John 14, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, we're going to go further in our conversation about the Trinity and the lessons ahead, but let's start the conversation here. It's a difficult subject to fully grasp, this idea of three persons of the Godhead, Godhead as we say, three in one. We have centuries of study from written scripture, particularly the New Testament, where we find outlines of it everywhere, although the term Trinity is never actually used in the New Testament. And so you've got to imagine, though, how difficult it would have been for the Jews to have perceived Jesus to actually be God. Think about this. For centuries, they declared the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And to their understanding, the Spirit of God was simply the influence of God, not necessarily a person. So, for example, the Spirit would come upon someone to accomplish a great task. Here, here's a, a verse from Judges chapter 6. The Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon, and he blew the ram's horn, and the Abiezrites rallied behind him. So here we see that the Spirit was seen as an, an influence from God that imparted special abilities for particular moments. As another example, at one point, Samuel was giving some instruction to King Saul. And Samuel told Saul, this is 1 Samuel chapter 10, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully on you, you will pro prophesy with them, and you will be transformed. So, to the Jews, the Spirit of God was perceived to be an influential force of God, a power booster for God's special projects, but, but not necessarily a separate person from the Father. And within this context and background, it's understandable that they didn't truly understand all that Jesus was saying and teaching. The Trinity was a, a totally unknown concept to them. In fact, it would probably, in that way of saying it, three in one, it would have been even blasphemous as far as they were concerned. And yet, we see it distinctly here in John 14, verse 16. Jesus will ask the Father to send the Spirit. Now, the particular word Jesus uses for the Spirit here is paraclete. Paraclete. And no, that's, that's not what athletes wear on their feet onto the ball field. 
Now, there's not a perfect English word to use in our translation of the word paraclete. There are connotations in the word counselor that aren't really present in the Greek. Uh, He's not like a camp counselor or a marriage counselor. Uh, the, The secular meaning of a paraclete was more like a legal counselor, But even that conjures up the idea that he's simply a modern-day defense attorney, and and so that's not quite right either. Other translations use the word advocate. Uh, Pastor Peterson even translates it simply as friend. And so the best understanding I've found in my studies is found in the verb form of the word, which is actually parakleo in the Greek, which means to call alongside and therefore to encourage or to strengthen. So, I've come to think of Jesus' promise of of the Holy Spirit as him sending us an encourager or helper, or perhaps even best, a strengthener. But as we'll see, this is a very specific kind of strengthening that Jesus is offering through the Spirit, and there are good reasons that the word advocate and counselor and friend, all those ideas will come into play. But what's also important to point out is that Jesus is not just referring to the Holy Spirit as some kind of invisible power source, like a battery pack or like a five-hour energy drink, or especially not like being given some kind of magical powers. Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit as a person. I will ask the Father to send you a friend, an encourager, and strengthener to be with you forever. In fact, if you look at verse 17, he says that he is the spirit of truth, that the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't know him nor or know him. It doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So make no mistake about it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He will be with us and in us and remains or stays with us. The Spirit of God had come on Old Testament believers temporarily to give them strength, but normally he didn't remain with them. And what Jesus spoke of here was an abiding relationship in which the Spirit remained with believers for the rest of their lives. Now, this is not the first time Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming to take up residence within us. Earlier in John's Gospel, back in chapter 8, we see him say, uh, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Those who entrust their lives to Jesus are given the Holy Spirit, who in turn brings us new and abundant life from the inside out. As Jesus said back in chapter 14, the Spirit will be with us and will be in us. And as we believe in his truth, life will flow from within us. And this is one of the first clues Jesus gives us about the purpose of the Holy Spirit in the life of his followers. Get this definition. He is the agent of Christ's promised regeneration, the power that brings our spiritually dead lives to life, streams of living water flowing from deep within. Now, we don't have time to give this a full treatment, but if you study Paul's writings to the Romans in chapter 8, you'll get an even clearer picture of this life-giving of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, this is Romans 8, verse 9, You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. 
and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Oh, that's incredible. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. What an incredible statement that the same supernatural, wonder-working power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within us. Now notice that Paul uses these interchangeable titles, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. So which is it? Is it Christ or is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it both? Well, again, this, this speaks to the mystery of the Trinity. Three separate but always united entities. The Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of Christ are one and the same, yet also different. Now, to me, this reference to the Spirit of Christ that Paul uses throughout his letters, it's so helpful to me, and I, I think in great alignment with what Jesus is teaching, as we're going to see here in just a moment. The Holy Spirit is not a separate department of the Godhead out to get us to do some new and different thing from the mission of Jesus. No, he is the Spirit of Christ working within us to bring about all that Jesus taught and promised related to his kingdom revolution. So let's get back to the upper room, though, back in John chapter 14, and let me show you what I mean. Here it is in verse 25. Jesus said, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, or as we've called him, the Strengthener or Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now again, it would be just about impossible to miss the Trinity here. The Father sends to us the Holy Spirit in the name of, or the expressed representative, the agent of, the Son. So this name Paul uses so often, the Spirit of Christ, is quite appropriate. We don't have the bodily presence of Jesus with us, but since the Holy Spirit and the Son are one, we do have Christ's Spirit within us and bringing us to new life. And secondly, we see here another purpose of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us and reminds us of everything Jesus taught. Now, this is so central and important for true followers of Christ. And you should remember from the Great Commission, our marching orders, what Jesus said to us. Go to every ethnic group on the planet and make apprentices to Jesus. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and then, of course, this, little, this last little bit often gets left out. Teach them to obey everything I commanded. This is the mission of the church, and therefore the Holy Spirit is there to assist us in this mission that Jesus gave us. Now, over in chapter 16, uh, verse 12 of John, ja Jesus says, I, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But when the spirit of the truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And Jesus is saying, even after I'm gone, the spirit will continue to clarify things I've said. Now, have you been noticing this other title for the Holy Spirit? This idea of the spirit of truth. In fact, if you go to church with me, you might have noticed over the years that often when I offer a prayer before the preaching of the Word, I include this very line, Holy Spirit, come and guide us into all truth. And we see that here in verse 13. And what I take it to mean is a way of saying, show us how things really are. Specifically, based on what Jesus taught us about life in the kingdom, help us, Holy Spirit, to know it completely as a reality for ourselves. Guide us into it. 
And like an ever-present coach and tutor, especially as we engage in various spiritual disciplines like prayer and scripture reading and memory and fasting, and the Spirit continually builds us up with wisdom and confidence, reminding us over and over of the fundamentals of the Jesus way, encouraging, prodding, even cheering us on. And what Jesus had said with his freedom formula in John chapter 8, that if you continue to follow my teaching, you are really my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, that's ultimately realized through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Jesus' followers as the Spirit strengthens them to live it out for themselves. Freedom from the effects of sin, anger and bitterness, worry and fear, discouragement and, and despair— All these chains are are broken. We are freed from them as the Spirit guides us into the truth that sets us free so we can truly love, live, and lead like Jesus. Look, friends, the presence of the Holy Spirit can always be recognized by the way he moves us toward what Jesus would be and do. And you got to get that. Since you're just listening, let me say it again, let it sink in. The presence of the Holy Spirit can always be recognized by the way he moves us toward what Jesus would be and do. And when we inwardly experience the heavenly sweetness and power of life, the love, joy, and peace that, that Jesus knew, that is the work of the Spirit within us. Remember, the same power that that rose Jesus from the grave, the power that overcame the domain of darkness, it lives in us, freeing us from the grip of our own spiritual death traps, moving us toward vibrant Christ-likeness. We're going to talk about this even more in the weeks ahead as we explore the great metaphor of abiding in the vine and bearing much fruit, fruit of the Spirit like love, joy, and peace. obvious to you by now that the Holy Spirit has not come to bring a spotlight on himself, but rather to bring all attention and allegiance to Jesus. Jesus, as the head of his church, takes center stage, not the Spirit. But the Spirit is the empowering agent of Jesus' work in the world through his church. Listen to the next half of verse 13 here in John chapter 16. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. So the Spirit is speaking on behalf of Jesus, relaying truth. And look how he brings attention to Jesus. Verse 14, he will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. And this is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. (laughs) So again, the Spirit is the activating truth messenger, gift-giving agent of Jesus, both in us individually and through the church, for the purpose of accomplishing the mission of Jesus. If we go back to chapter 15, verse 26, we'll see even more of this spirit giving attention to Jesus here. When the counselor, or the strengthener, or the friend, when he comes, the one I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. He, the Holy Spirit, will testify about Christ. He will bear witness or declare the truth of Christ. Now, this is such an important point to make here. 
In order for the world to know this good news of life from above in the kingdom of God, someone has to speak up. Someone has to take the stand, so to speak, and tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Someone who knows firsthand, a witness. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the great someone, the great witness. But now, how does the Holy Spirit actually do that? Well, before we get to that, let's address the last of the Holy Spirit teaching that Jesus gave us in this farewell address back in chapter 16 of John. This is verse 7. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It's for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Counselor, the Strengthener, will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you'll no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, this is a complex, and it's a deep little section, but let me break it down for you just a little bit. First of all, we see that the Spirit will convict the world. Uh, A translation you might would read could even say something like, the Holy Spirit will prove the world wrong. And the word means to, to bring to light or to expose and to find fault with. So we could say, the Spirit will expose the error of the godless world's view of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the intention is to expose the error for the sake of helping people make the, dis- the necessary course corrections to help them change their thinking and worldview to experience metanoia, to come to a place of repentance. And so here's the progression we see there. When a spiritually disoriented person is under conviction, he sees the error and evil of unbelief. He will confess that he doesn't measure up to the righteousness of Christ. And he'll realize that he is under condemnation because he belongs to the world's value system. You see, conversion is preceded preceded by conviction. And conviction comes as the Spirit of God uses the Word of God and the witness of the child of God. So you see how that works? Remember, Jesus said the counselor would be the great witness. And Jesus also said to those 11 disciples that they too would be his witnesses. You will also testify, he says. And this is how Jesus uses his followers. He gives them the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks the truth through them. And this is precisely what Jesus said in his very last words just before his ascension. Here's Dr. Luke's retelling of it. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 4. While Jesus was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And, here it is, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so he empowers his church to boldly live out the way, truth, and life. And he empowers us to be his witnesses. It's important to note that that the Spirit comes to the church and not to the world. He works in and through the church. Now think about this, this metaphor. Just as the Son of God had to have a body in order to do His work on the earth, so the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God needs a body to accomplish His work. And that body is the church. The Holy Spirit works through the people in whom He lives. Oh, man, there's so much more that could be said about the Holy Spirit, even though we've covered an awful lot of ground in this lesson today. So let me see if I can help us take this extensive amount of teaching and and condense it into simple-to-understand terms. 
Now, again, I, I'm a visual learner, so maybe this can help you, too, if you want to, if you're just listening to the podcast, you need to make sure you check out the lesson notes to, to see this graphic. And so let me make just a few points here. Number one, the Holy Spirit is the agent of Christ's promised regeneration, the power that brings our spiritually dead lives to new and abundant life. It's the very moment the life we were meant to live begins. Number two, next, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, teaches us and reminds us of all Jesus taught, guiding us into all truth, coaching us, you could say, towards Christ's likeness in both character and conduct, kingdom righteousness evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us personally, what he's doing to renew our lives individually. But Remember, there's a work within the broken world that the Holy Spirit is helping us to accomplish. Number three, the Holy Spirit is the great witness, testifying of Jesus. He draws attention and allegiance toward Jesus, the King. And thus, number four, he empowers us for the same purpose, to be living examples and bold witnesses of the way, the truth, and the life. And the fifth thing we talked about today is that through the church, the Holy Spirit continues the convicting work of Jesus, calling people to repentance, to give their allegiance to Jesus the King. And so it is, like I said at the very beginning, the Holy Spirit is given to us to empower and enable us to do extraordinary things that we could never do in ourselves. He's the one that brings the righteousness of Christ into reality, something we could never do for ourselves. He's the one that that comes alongside us to encourage and, and strengthen us in our, in our quest toward Christ-likeness, something we could never achieve on our own. And he's the one who empowered that first little band of believers of, uh, of mostly uneducated people and with little position and influence to cause an explosion of kingdom growth that continues right up to this very day. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is alive in us. And so may we recognize this awesome gift and allow the Holy Spirit to continue his transforming work in our hearts and lives, in our church, and and even to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the glory of our matchless Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is no true believer in Jesus lacks the Spirit. Yet we can all have deeper and more transforming experiences of the Spirit. You see, the question for the believer is not, do I have the Spirit? Oh, you do. But rather, how much of me does the Spirit have? You see, the more we surrender ourselves to God, the more we seek Him, the more the Spirit of God will renew us and empower us for the ministry of Christ. Remember, the Holy Spirit is our strengthener and teacher. Christ-likeness is not automatic. It's a partnership between yourself and the Holy Spirit. And as you surrender your daily life to his will, engaging in spiritual disciplines like studying his word and the life and message of Jesus and seeking divine intimacy through prayer, the Spirit comes alongside you to give you success. And so this week, let your prayers be that of surrender like never before. Lean on the power of the Spirit. Invite him to open your eyes, to teach and coach you throughout every circumstance of life, to guide you into all truth. And let him empower you to be an effective witness of the abundant life that Jesus promised.